0: We're not here for our profit, here for yours. Federally insured by NCUA. WPHT, WPHT, HD3, Philadelphia.
1: Odyssey Station from the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. This is Talk Radio 1210, WPHT. It's good news in real estate. If you're a homeowner, if you're selling a home, or perhaps purchasing a home or vacation property, welcome to our home. It's good news in real estate, presented by the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. Your hosts for the Radio Hour. The Mortgage Mom, Deanne Kitsaris, along with real estate veteran and owner-operator of the Philadelphia Real Estate Classes, Mark Cumberland. Your real estate education starts right now. It's Good News in Real Estate, presented by the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. All right. Good afternoon. Get ready to laugh and learn here on Good News in Real Estate, here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. I'm Mark Cumberland, along with my co-host, The Mortgage Mom and Kat Sarris. How are you, Dean?
2: I'm doing great, Mark. How are you?
1: I'm good. And we're excited to be here every Saturday at 1 o'clock talking to you about real estate since we're the only show that does. The media ignores this great real estate market. If you have any questions, you can give us a call. My number is 267-266-5501. What's your number, Dean?
2: Mark, my number is 609-605-7153.
1: We're here every week to help you with your real estate needs, so give us a call and you can listen to this show and past shows at com, and also at WPHT's website. So what's coming up today?
2: Coming up on today's show, Mark, we have the market report. Yes. We have our business tips with asking Dr. A.
1: Yes, following up.
2: We have Mark's funny story.
1: Got one for you.
2: We also have our mortgage mom topic.
1: Which is what?
2: It's our loan-to-value matrix. Some good facts. oh
1: That one sounds complicated.
2: <laughs> Mark, we also have our questions. Is a no-inspection yes. agreement between buyer and seller breakable? The next question is, mm-hmm. how do I advertise my rental home, and how much is the cost of advertising? The next question is, hmm. what is a relocation sale? Next question is, what if the foundation is cracked? How much does it affect the value? (laughs) The next (laughs) question is, when is a good time to lower your price on your home?
0: Pretty good questions.
2: They're always great questions, Mark. And we also have a great topic of the day, which is tenants' rights. It should be a win-win. All right. But first, give us your motivational quote.
1: And the motivational quote is, it doesn't matter how many say it cannot be done or how many people have tried it before, it's important to realize that whatever you're doing, it's your first attempt at it. So don't worry about it. You always fail forward. That's right. So you just got to keep winging away and eventually it's going to work out. <laughs> and you learn as you go. Because if you don't ask the answers- no. Exactly. So, where are we
2: at? So, Mark, we are up to the market report.
1: And there is the bell. So, the market is in such great shape. I've had a lot of conversations. People called me since last week's show and uh, talking about this market. And the home buyers have yet to wither into the face of the relentless home price increases. Uh, lending Fannie Mae Economist. Uh, saying a meaningful upgrade to their projection for existing home sales in the last half of the year. While the demand for homes remains strong, there's no sign of relief on the supply side. This lack of inventory is sticking with us. It's going up a little bit, but not as fast as we need. And their outlook for 2022, uh, they're revising it again. Mortgage rates have been on the rise a little bit, but I think they're going to come back down, don't you?
2: Uh. <laughs> You're not sure? I'm not sure. The way, feeling this, no the, way lot. the economy
1: is, I, I think they're going to have to come down again with all this the ships out there, the border, everything else that's going on. I don't think they can screw around with the rates too much. Well, but historically and projected quarters, we had. Historic rates for 30 year fixed. You know, it's been great. Mortgage rates have, uh, may rise a little bit in this tight environment, but they don't, they, they still expect a severe shortage of homes for the remain of the primary the rest of this year. And they see, they're predicting, this is Fannie Mae, they're predicting the same kind of appreciation at least through 2022, you know, so. I don't see this thing turning around and a big, big pile of uh, inventory coming into the market at any time early next year. I think it's going to be late in the year. And these rates, they were at, we were averaging, what, 3.3% over the last year or so?
2: 3.3? I'd say closer to 3.
1: Yeah. So that was, you know, so the the rates are still great. The average rate historically, so everybody the, our listeners know, is between f- 5 and 8%. You know, that's the average historic rates. We're in great rates. We're in the threes. So now some of Fannie Mae people are predicting that we'll be at 4% by the end of uh, 2022, which could happen, but that's still a good it's rate. It's still
2: a great rate.
1: Historically. But their Fannie Mae forecasters have taken a more pessimistic view on how long it's gonna take to resolve the ongoing supply chain disruptions that have slowed the economic growth. They now think the economy will grow by 4.9% this this year, down from September's projections of 5.4. And I think they're probably right on that because I don't know what this administration's doing but it's like somebody's better grab the steering wheel (laughs) because there's thousands of boats sitting on both coasts. You got a border crisis, you got inflation rising, and that's like uh, Philadelphia. The Philadelphia mayor, the police commissioner, the DA got together about crime in Philly and they couldn't agree on what to do. (laughs) I mean, like, you know, when you elect leaders, Yeah, they're supposed to get together and come up with a solution. So they actually had a meeting, and they left, and they couldn't agree on what to do. They should just hand that job over to me. I'll solve that thing in about two months. It'll be over.
2: That's ridiculous.
1: Anyway, tell us about the great rates.
2: The great rates, we still 30-year fixed, 3%. Your 15-year is 2350 your FHA loan is 2.875%. Mark, the rates are still great. It's not too late to refinance, and people have to understand that. They're still, you know, it, it seems like people are hemmer, hemming-hauling, and I'm not sure why.
1: I think they're getting a little nervous about this economy and this leadership. I think there's some nerves out there. When people are nervous, they hold back.
2: Yeah, and I think, you know, a lot of, I talked to a lot of realtors this week as well. And, you know, a lot of the pipeline is stagnant right now. People are on the sidelines and this is not the time to be on the sidelines. It's not too late I'm to refinance. On the and, huh? <laughs> I'm not on the sidelines. And
1: huh? I'm not on the sidelines. I am in the game.
2: And it's a perfect <laughs> perfect time to refinance.
1: That's right. I'm taking, I'm taking advantage of this so,
2: all right. So with that,
1: you're listening to Good News in Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. And we
0: are definitely all positive all the time. And we'll be right back. On behalf of the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union, we hope you're enjoying Good News in Real Estate with Deanne Casares and Mark Cumberland. The Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. Not here for our profit. Here for yours. Hi, right. welcome back to Good
1: News in Real Estate here on Talk Radio, WPHD, all positive all the time. So where are we at, Dan?
2: So, Mark, we are up to our funny story.
1: Now, this is a true story. This one happened back in the 80s. I wasn't in the business. You probably were. I
2: wasn't born but, yet.
1: Uh, <laughs> but anyway, there was a, uh, an agent and gave me this story, and she worked with this young couple who were looking for the perfect house. And she showed them many properties before they found one they both liked, and they called the selling agent to set up a meeting to present the offer, which was quite a bit low below the asking price. This was probably in a buyer's market. And they arrived early at the seller's hat door, they knocked on the door and they heard a, like a gruff, come on in. And they <laughs> so they sat there with the listing agent, a very grim looking husband and wife, And she said, I smiled and introduced myself, but the the room was filled with tension. The husband sat there with his arms crossed, glaring across the table at me. And I attempted to humanize the buyers to the sellers, but it didn't seem to do any good. As I handed each person a copy of the offer, the seller looked at it for a second, stood up. Walked over to a counter, grabbed a giant ashtray, set it on a table, crumpled the contract up, and lit it on fire and threw it in the ashtray. As the offer burned, no one said a word. After a few minutes passed, I looked at she said she looked at the husband. She said, Should I take that as a no? And then she just started laughing at a nervousness. And then the husband burst out laughing, causing everybody else to laugh as well. When everyone quieted down, I asked the husband for permission to offer, to present the offer again and explaining that there was a lot more to it than just the price, and when she went over the details and managed to get the sellers to agree to a reasonable counteroffer, and the buyers accepted it. When I gave the signed counteroffer to the list of the agents, she said, she said that the seller had refused to counter three other offers and had been very difficult to work with. And the agent said, oh yeah, really? I hadn't noticed. And, and she said every time they ever got together again, they laughed about it when they run into how he crumpled it up and <laughs> lit it on fire. <laughs> that must have been a good one. So oh, that there are a good some one. good that stories in story. real estate.
2: <laughs> if you have a funny story you'd like to hear, Send it to 8029 at Comcast.net or give us a call at 267-266-5501.
1: And now it is time for the Mortgage Mom segment with the Ann Kat Saris from Green Tree Mortgage. And her topic is our loan-to-value matrix. Wow, very good. Wow, this sounds like high-tech stuff.
2: It's right. not high-tech. I mean, it's not overly exciting, <laughs> but... It's things that people need to know because, you know, with ever with these refinances that are going on, people are calling, asking all kinds of crazy stuff. They Googled stuff on the internet. Uncle Harry told them they could do this and that. So yep. it's just something that I really, it's it's standard eligibility requirements, basically on purchasing and how much you would actually be able to take out cash-wise. So this, this would be good for you.
1: Yeah, this is everything besides having a pulse right
2: yeah yeah so when you purchase a, a primary residence or what they call a principal residence it means that you're actually going to owner occupy the property within 60 days of your settlement so if you were purchasing a one unit mark what does everybody say the down payment's going to be
1: Twenty percent is the big myth,
2: which is an extremely big myth. You could purchase big. a one-unit property with as little as three percent down. Yep. If you're looking to take cash out of a property, or I should say, limited cash out, you can. And limited cash out is two percent of whatever the loan amount is. All right. When you get into different units as far as purchasing a two-unit or a three-to-four unit, with a two-unit, which is your duplex, and as long as you're going to own or occupy it, you need to put at least 15% down. If you're going into your three-to-four units, you're going to need to put 25%.
1: As an investment piece.
2: This is if you're going to own or occupy it. This is conventional. This is not FHA. Everything so that I'm going it, over right is now primary. is your Fannie Freddie requirements.
1: I thought I thought you could do a, up to four units as a primary with three percent down.
2: No, you could do an FHA loan up to four units with three and a half percent down, but conventionally, you you need to put at least twenty five percent down. Hmm. Hmm. They just changed that recently, or something? They did not.
1: Wait a minute. I could have swore a few show uh, a couple months ago we were talking about buying a duplex as a primary renting con- out the doing other a side conventional with three percent down. It's
2: three and a half percent mark and it's an FHA loan.
1: So you have to do FHA. You
2: have to do FHA. Actually you just sent a property over to me not too long ago that was a four unit and I sent it to my son. And he said, well, I guess I, I guess if I want to do this, I have to move out and purchase at FHA and put 3.5% down.
1: Yep. I send you everything I can see because I know you got, like, so many people pre-qualified.
2: Yep. Yeah, we're up to 162 right now.
1: Wow. It's unbelievable.
2: Yep. So keep in mind, this is a primary residence. If you want to do a cash-out refinance, you, we need to keep... equity. So you need, the the maximum you can take out is 80% loan to value. So if the house appraises for $300,000, 80% of that is going to be $240,000. That's going to be the max cash that you can take out. You need to leave 20% equity in the property. If you're living in these units and it's a two to four unit... We need to leave 25% equity. So you can o- only go up to
1: 75%. So if I'm refining a house that's 350 and I want to pull some cash out, say I want to pull out uh, 20 grand, I want to pull out 30 grand, that's not a problem because value wise, loan wise, that 80% thing, you can pull out yeah, that so kind of money if
2: your if your house appraises at three hundred and fifty thousand, the right. maximum cash you could take out is two hundred and eighty thousand. But keep in mind, we have to pay off that first mortgage, right? Right, and whatever's left over after paying off that mortgage with two hundred and eighty, the rest of that's yours. Right, you don't have to take out eighty percent. No. But you can take out up to eighty percent, so that's definitely right. not an issue. Now, if your house was a two to four unit, we would only be able to take out seventy-five percent.
1: And why is that?
2: Because it becomes more of a risk factor when you have more units. You always want to know why. Yeah, it's because, because it's the I like to know who it's makes up these It's what, Fanny and rules. Freddie? You know your friends. <laughs> Your friends sat around the table one night and decided that this was going to be the maximum loan-to-value that you were going to be able to take out.
1: Right? Is this by county too?
2: It is not by <laughs> to county. top it off, <laughs> it is not by county.
1: I never get invited to these meetings. I swear.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I told you you should have ran before.
1: I'm telling you, I'd love to just go to one of these meetings and and decide by county how much how, what's let's well, let's say Bucks County can borrow up to 700000, <laughs> but Philly can only borrow 500000. Like, you know, I live uh, 1 minute from Montgomery County.
2: <laughs> can I finish?
1: <laughs> go ahead.
2: Thank you. See that? Marco's on a rant <laughs> and I'm cut off. All right, give me a call but if you have questions on your loan to value matrix 609-605 7153. And coming up next is our question and answer segment.
1: And Deanne will save your butt. So, with that, you listen to Good News in Real Estate here on 1210 WPHD. We'll be right back.
0: Deanne and Mark are halfway through this week's edition of Good News in Real Estate, presented by the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. Not here for our profit, here for yours. When the show returns, more real estate news from around the Delaware Valley.
1: All right, welcome back to good news and real estate here on 1210 WPHT all positive all the time. So where are we at Dan after Dan after I interrupted your great segment.
2: <laughs> paybacks Mark paybacks
1: I yeah I know it'll come. don't worry.
2: All right, so we are up to our question and answer segment and the first question is, is a no inspection agreement between the buyer and the seller, seller breakable?
1: Hmm, that's an interesting question. Well, everything is all dependent on what's in the contract. If this, if they, if, if the buyer was doing a thing, no inspection, and then decided, you know, they did that to win the bid, which people are doing in this market, and then decided that now they want an inspection, they they got a problem. They they the seller said, no, you bought this house. You know, and, and well, we're not going to go through with this unless you let us have an inspection and say, fine. And they'll get to court and the judge will say, you're buying this house. You know, it, it you got to be careful. When you write, when agents, when I teach agents to, about writing contracts, I say you do everything like you're standing in front of your honor. Because it could end up like that. And you do something like this, Oh, uh, we're going to waive the inspection so they win the bid. And then after they win the bid, they say, oh, we want the inspection. No, it don't work that way. Uh, well, then we're not buying. Uh, we're not giving your money back. And then next thing you know, call the lawyers. Everybody, what's the magic number for lawyers? Two grand. All lawyers want two grand up front because they don't win or lose. They're gonna, they want their two grand. And then in the end, you never win. The lawyers win. What's the next
2: one? The next question is, how do I advertise my rental home, and how much is the cost of advertising it?
1: I don't know. I mean, this is a weird question. I mean, first of all, Where are if they you have advertising a rental it? home. Yeah, I mean, Facebook, you can do all that stuff for free. If you're in Philly and you advertise an apartment for rental in Philadelphia right now, your phone's going to ring off the hook. Right. It'd be like putting it on Craigslist. <laughs> It'll ring for two weeks. Does
2: Craigslist still I mean, exist?
1: I the old Craigslist definitely exists. I haven't exist.
2: been on it in ages.
1: Years and years ago, I was looking for an assistant and made a mistake and put something on Craigslist. What a lesson I learned. My phone rang 24-7 <laughs> for about two weeks. Uh, that was way before I met Dr. Ray. Uh, but, no, I... I I You know what? I don't know why people want to be the landlord. If I had a rental unit, I wouldn't want to be the landlord. I let a property management company handle that for like, what, 4 to 8% per month. How much is my time worth? No, that's and I don't have absolutely to worry about worth it. it. And I don't have to worry about nothing. They find the tenants. They evict the tenants. They fix the place. I'm not cha- coming in looking for a clogged toilet on Christmas Eve, you know. Some real estate agent that does property management could advertise your rental home. There's lots of ways to do it. But in this market, you could probably put it on Facebook and get tons of calls, but then how are you going to screen them? You're not a professional. You're going to run their credit and all the other stuff? You know, And then they got this great letter from their last landlord. He gave it to them just to get rid of, of them. Of course he did. Oh, yeah, they're great. They were great tenants. They were always quiet and paid their rent on time. He gave them that letter just so they would leave. <laughs> ah. <laughs> I heard a lot of them stories. What's the next one?
2: The next question is, what is a relocation sale?
1: Now, I worked for a company a long time ago. Uh, I can't I don't want to mention any names, but they had a great relocation program. It was soup to nuts. Some CEO was moving from LA to Philly, and you hooked them up in this, and you got the lead as an agent. You got this lead, and it was a relocation lead. And the company charged me 35% referral fee for this lead. And then, and they're usually high end, high end buyers, and you know they're looking for something. They're going to be in Philly for so many years, maybe, maybe longer. But this relocation company would cancel their newspaper at their. It went. This is how far they went. They would cancel their newspaper delivery in their city, pack up all their stuff, put them up in a hotel, move all their stuff to the new place that you found them. Reordered inquire at the new house, like soup the nuts. Like, some, there was a whole department that took care of that. What do you call it? Uh, what's the service that starts with a C? Cour, uh, like, they have them at hotels. Concierge. Uh, the per- concierge. Uh, it was a concierge uh, program, soup to nuts. But that's basically what relocation sales are. Somebody's relocating from city to city. Use the iron stuff. Right. What's the next one?
2: The next question is, what if the foundation is cracked? How much does it affect the value? I
1: don't know. It's going to be how bad that crack is.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, mean, I did a spec piece with a guy up in Chestnut Hill. It was a great deal. We got it for a good price, a few hundred thousand, but we we're going to totally redo it then it was going to be worth a couple hundred thousand more and it had a giant crack foundation problem that cost us 30 40 grand to fix so it couldn't be expensive it's according to what it is you know that's what that's a hard question it's a answer. hard question I mean, you because know, you you might be bringing in a structural engineer to figure that one out right and my guy actually was a structural engineer and we still missed it until we started tearing stuff apart. What's the next one?
2: The next question is, when is a good time to lower your price on the home?
1: I'm actually starting to see a few of these in this market. I just got a few emails that from agents that email me because they know I know a lot of people right. and have a radio show. Uh that their seller was lower in their price. Price reduction in this market is very rare. So they must have started out way too high and probably couldn't get it up. I don't know the whole story, but I guarantee you, it was more to the story that he didn't tell me that maybe they had a couple offers and it didn't appraise and they had to lower the price because now these appraisers, these appraisals were out there. What do you think about that?
2: You know, it's tough because sometimes when they're coming in lower, they're making them pay the difference. So, Mark, there's been so many crazy different scenarios.
1: But I actually seen some uh, emails I've gotten that they reduced the price. I haven't seen them for a while.
2: Yeah. I I definitely feel the market is shifting without a doubt. I don't. You don't?
1: I don't see no big. No. Because I, I seen, we went in Philly out of 676,000 houses a couple months ago from 3,000 active, actively for sale to 4,000. And that took like three months. I'm, I'm not seeing an influx of inventory.
2: I'm not seeing an influx of inventory, but I'm also not seeing, like I said, I think people are sitting on the fence right now and they need to get off.
1: Yeah, well, then I don't want to get into politics, but... When leadership is shaky, people get nervous get and they it. get back on the fence. I get it. Prior to the last election and the last administration, remember I told you them numbers? In Philly Metro, two over $2 billion sitting on the fence. Across the country was trillions of dollars. And after he got elected, everybody felt good. And then what happened? Unemployment went down to 3-6 and construction went wild. Yeah. Like them or not things happen what's the last question the
2: last question is in our lease it says that an electric garage door opener is included in the rental there is no garage door opener and the management is still stalling
1: this is when legal you call legal shield. shield legal shield you join legal shield nineteen dollars a month call them up send a letter to the management surprisingly next week you got an electric door opener <laughs> <laughs> All right.
2: All right. So, coming all right, up, so with that, yeah, what's going on? Coming, coming up, up next, Mark, is going to be our topic of the day tenants' rights. It should be a win win.
1: All right. Very good. So, with that, you're listening to Good News and Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. All positive, all the time. We'll be right back. So where are we at, Dan?
2: Mark, we're up to our topic of the day, which is tenants' rights. It should be a win-win.
1: Right. And just as landlords have rights, you as tenants also have rights. And we're up to, what, 46% of Philadelphia rents. So that's a lot of rental units. Each state has different landlord-tenant laws which spell out the rights and the responsibilities of each party with respect to how they need to treat one another. And you should definitely read your lease, which a lot of people don't read the fine print. Many aspects of that landlord-tenant law, such as the consequences for late payments, the terms of the lease, rules for the landlord's entry into the rental unit, are all spelled out in that lease. Most state offices of the attorney general can provide information on tenant law, or you can try linking to the uh, state law wherever you're at, uh, and you can... Get into that or join Legal Shield. And before you sign a lease, Legal Shield is a great company. For like $20 hours a month, you got a lawyer 24 7. You send them over your lease and they review it for you and make sure there's nothing in there that's crazy before you sign it. Because most people do not read these whole leases. And the tenants have rights. They have peace and quiet. Tenants have the right to live in a non noisy environment except after 11 o'clock, like 10, 59, 59. And at least during the certain times of the day, advance notice that the building or home is subject to major disruptions. They're doing repairs, whatever, they're supposed to let you know. Tenants have the right to approach the landlord if the neighbors are making noisy or partying or playing music after 10, 59, 59. You know what I mean, Dan? I do. <laughs> <laughs> If you want to check that out, it's Mark Cumberland music ten fifty nine fifty nine and that's what it's about. a tenant playing music after eleven o'clock. Uh, <laughs> they also are are healthy. They should have a healthy environment with all the units functioning correctly, heating, cooling, all that, no faulty electrical, plumbing, glass leaks, lead paint should be disclosed in advance, you know, mold, all that stuff, potential illness inducing environment factors. Tenant has the right to request that they be addressed with a reasonable period of time. A written lease spelling out the rent, the price, the lease period, is required in most states, but many vary on lease length. Short rentals may be fine in a verbal agreement, but longer leases maybe should be in writing. In fact, all leases are I say, should be in writing. Of course, Even they if should you're be in doing writing. A you short gotta one. know
2: when they start, when they end, what right. the renewal it's, period it's, is. A
1: contract is not valid if it don't have a start and end date, any right. contract. Uh, locks, smoke detectors, most states require rentals units to have these things, as well as locks and doors and windows for safety. Orderly evacuation processes, tenants have the right to remain during the eviction process until a certain point. All this should be spelled out. A deposit not exceeding a few months' worth of rent. Most states spell out a maximum required deposit that landlords can charge. Like, they can't ask you for, like, two years up front. A landlord who doesn't change the contract or or other terms, it's illegal for them to make changes without your involvement because this is a written contract. So... The lease is very important, and a lot. I know a lot of people that they rent, and they just want in so bad, and they got their three months rent up front, and they don't care, and they don't read the whole damn lease. And then they find out that it has some weird restrictions. No commercial vehicles in the parking lot, and the guy's a plumber, and he has- That's a big l- one. Lose plumbing on the side of his truck. He can't park in that parking lot. And he, that's a violation of the lease. How so, about
2: something simple like pets?
1: Yeah, dogs. Yeah, uh, you know, dogs can't. Dog can't be over twenty pounds. And all of a sudden, you got glitter, eighty four pounds. You know, <laughs> it's like, you know, all kinds of stuff. The crazy ones. Remember the uh, the ones with the tenant association, where they couldn't take showers after eleven o'clock, or vacuum because somebody could hear the water running down the pipes and at night. And and the girl, uh, no no hardwood floors, because this one girl wore spikers all the time, and they could hear her walking around. (laughs) Spikers. Spikers, man.
2: They're called spikes. They're high heels. (laughs) Whatever.
1: Guys called them spikers.
2: (laughs) Oh my god! All right, Mark. So we are up to our segment with asking Doctor A, and today we're going to talk about the turnover
3: audit. Welcome, Doctor A. Hi, Dan. How you doing? We're doing great. Thank you. And you? I'm doing fantastic.
1: All right, Dr. Abelson, I'm interested in this topic.
3: <laughs> well, this goes back to something I actually wrote an article on decades ago, uh, but it's really current and important right now. Uh, and it's uh, something I created called the name, it called Turnover Audit. And basically what it is, is it's a way to figure out whether your turnover is a problem or not. Everybody, not everybody, but a lot of organizations out there right now are having terrific problems hiring people and keeping them, right? Because there aren't enough people in the system right now, uh, and uh, and people are leaving for money, primarily, but they're leaving for all kinds right. of reasons. And what the turnover audit does is it just creates a two-by-two, two, uh, and... By determining where your people are in this 2x2, it gives you insight regarding whether you have a turnover problem or not, and if you do, how to deal with it. So, for example, 2x2 is pretty easy. Part of it is, are they high performers or are they low performers? Okay. The other aspect of the 2x2 is whether the turnover is avoidable or whether it's unavoidable, and that's when it gets a little trickier. But but the, the primary idea here is that If you have people who are leaving who are high performers and they're leaving is something that's avoidable, something the organization can do something about, that's what your biggest problem is and that's what your easiest solution is. Okay. Sometimes people are leaving who are low performers and they're leaving for unavoidable reasons. I mean, a spouse moves to another city or state and they go with the spouse because it's more important to go with the spouse than than, than to keep the job. Sometimes it's retirement. Well, some, some people will say that is avoidable or it isn't avoidable. It depends on what's going on. Sometimes it's illness. Sometimes it's unfortunately death. You know, so some of these things are unavoidable. What organizations typically do is they don't divide them up into these quadrants, but what they do is they look at a turnover figure. All right. So, so by dividing it up and putting them into these correct quadrants, then you can actually look for solution exploration as far as what the problem is. For example, if you have high turnover, or for people who the turnover is avoidable, that's something that you really need to look at. Right? Because right. that's something that, that you can do something about. It's frequently something that's going on within the organization. Right? You hired the right people, but now they're in the organization, and maybe it's something with leadership. Maybe it's something with the culture. Okay? Maybe it's, it's something else that's going on. Maybe they're in the wrong job. Right? So you need to figure it out where they are on this two-by-two two, and then take some action.
1: You know what? When I well, when I was the CEO of a very large real estate company, I always watched my retention, and my retention rate was pretty good, but if somebody did leave, I'd always tried to have an exit interview with them to try to figure out if it was something I was doing or if something in the office, some cultural issue, whatever. Most of the time, it was just they just thought the grass was green or somewhere else, but I always had an exit interview and told them the door was still open, and a lot of times they came back. But when I did my budget in October, when you're supposed to do your budget, not January one when you're having champagne, you do your budget in October. We always talked about this, retention.
3: Well, one of the interesting and, things about doing an exit interview is typically people don't want to burn their bridges. So they tell you it's because they got more money at another place. When a lot of times it's leadership. So if you really want to do an exit interview, it's better if another organization does the exit interview than yourself. Because then you're much more likely to get better information and, and more honest information. answers uh, if you promise anonymity regarding you know what what is uh, what is going on because you can put people in different categories and say well we had you had five percent leaving for this reason 15 percent leaving for this reason it's really not that important about that individual it's important to understand what the true reasons are
1: that was really interesting That's awesome, let's continue Dr. that I- next week
3: contact us at Abelson, A-B-E-L-S-O-N at abelson.net or email me at dr.a at abelson.net.
2: All right, very good. If you have any questions, you can email them to Mark at 8029 at comcast.net or give him a call at 267-266-5501. You can also email me at Katsaris at comcast.net or give me a call at 609-605-7153.
1: And a special thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in every week, because I've been having a lot of you call me, and and for our sponsors for keeping us on the air. And we were actually looking for a few sponsors, a builder, a contractor, a, a concrete companies. We are the only real estate show in the Philly market. So, And you can listen to us every Saturday at 1 o'clock. Uh, if you'd call us, I can get you involved with us. So with that, have a great week. I'm Mark Cumberland.
2: I'm Deanne Katsaris, your mortgage mom.
1: You've been listening to Good News in Real Estate here on Talk Radio, 1210
0: WPHT.
2: All, all positive, positive, all, all the, the time.
0: time.